0: Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. A legendary publisher launches his own publishing house, and the story behind it is everything. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 568. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, a little under the weather, but otherwise excellent. Today I'm welcoming Arthur A. Levine, head of Levine Carrido, and a publisher and advocate responsible for bringing many widely loved books into our world and in front of our readers. Arthur previews his Fall 2020 titles, as well as what else is to come from Levine Currito. Our conversation looks broadly at publishing and at the world, but it also focuses on that one reader that needs the book you're publishing. The one that needs to know they're not alone in their experiences or in the world. To quote Arthur, Sometimes healing the world is healing one person. Joining us also is Susan Kusel, synagogue librarian, bookseller, and author. Enjoy. Please welcome my guests, Arthur A. Levine, head of levine Carrido, and librarian Susan Kusel.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Arthur Levine. Um, I am the president and editor-in-chief of levine Carido a new Independent publisher um, with a mission to provide uh, American readers with books that reflect the great diversity of our population and in English, and then books in translation that reflect the great diversity of where we all came from around the world. Thank you. Thanks for talking
0: to me. My pleasure. Thank you for the work that you do to help bring books to the world. I feel like I'd be remiss to not say thank you for Harry Potter. Thank you for (laughs) his dark materials. Thank you for all of those books that we may already know you from. Um, But I've heard. I remember reading the publisher's weekly announcement that you were starting your own publishing house yeah and um, I was excited for what that would look like and how the road ahead would look for you and already seeing this one sheet of of what's coming is exciting thanks is this something that you've sort of had a mind on for a while
1: um, no um, I think that it, it uh, it's something that I came to almost like I'm, I'm walking down a path, and then I realized that um, I needed to turn, and I had to decide uh, where I wanted to go. Um, I, I think it's a, partly about where I am in life, uh, and how many years I've been in publishing, and yeah. <clears throat> How many years I might have left, oh. um, you know, but that's the life is finite. You know, li- yeah. life is not infinite, and you know it's foolish to think, to be to allow yourself that illusion. So I thought, you know, I've got, I certainly have a plenty of time now left. I've got a, I hope I've got a good twenty years. What do I want to do with that? And. That is when I started to think, okay, what could I, what might be a, a good thing to experience? And how could I really align my values and my aesthetics um, best?
0: We talk about at my school, they have this slogan of doing the greatest good. That to inform our yes. decisions, we need to look out to the greatest good. And I hear... Uh, your value of of these diverse and marginalized voices and stories that haven't had the opportunity to be brought to children before and I appreciate knowing that that uh, you are setting out on this journey making that statement known from from the start from your debut list opening list what do you call the first four
1: the the first it, my launch <laughs> your launch was, of my course launch your list, launch <laughs> fall 2020 yeah. yeah there's an element of what I would call tikkun olam. What does um, tikkun olam mean? It means what you do. I mean, literally, to heal the world. Tikkun olam, um, and that is a a deep uh, value that I hold as a, a Jewish person, um, and it is consistent with, fortunately, (laughs) my taste in literature. I mean, so there is, yes, there is the and this is a very important um, value I hold. This is what I was talking about. Like I would like to be able to say, I think this book is important for what it can do in the world. And sometimes that is reaching out to it could be one kid who needs a particular book you know sometimes healing the world is healing one person saving there's a saying that you're if you save the life of one person you have saved everyone Um, and books really can save people's lives Um, and not and that's not an exaggeration Um, if you as a child, you are um, the things that you feel and that you experience, you just really don't have the perspective to know that anyone else has ever felt or experienced those things. And then if you encounter that in a book, not only is it profound to see what you were feeling in a story, but also to know that there's somebody out there who wrote that story, who understands your feeling. And who may be like you, it may be... Like you in some profound way, not even necessarily a superficial way. Mm. But then that that hooks back into um, looking beyond just, um, you know, looking to a diverse, uh, richly diverse, Uh, pool of creators to find people who are great at telling stories. I mean, I can come at this from many different perspectives, and they're all true. So I also believe that this is more interesting. Like, like as a reader, it's just more interesting. Um, When you have the value of somebody who has... Been raised in a particular culture that's different from your own, um, you you get the kind of colors and spices and textures that are particular to that person's life. Yeah. Um, if they're a good writer, yeah, They're a great writer, which is, you know, they must be, <laughs> for me, um, and that's going to be different from a person who's had a different. Cultural, religious, um, you know, et cetera, background.
0: Something strikes me about what you said, and that is that you you mentioned the one person, the one reader, and I right. feel m- maybe as a librarian, as a someone who buys books or sees them on shelves, that I I don't always get the impression that a publisher is after one person. It, it feels really it's really shaking me up to hear someone say that and to take you at your word and to know that, oh, that sure. I can take you well, at your word. that's why I
1: am a publisher. That's why I became a publisher, because I was a kid who had that experience, mm. you know, especially somebody who was gay in the 70s, you know. I literally didn't know that there was anyone else in the world who was gay, you know. There yeah. wasn't the Internet. There, there wasn't, no. you know. Um, gay people weren't on television, you know,
0: they didn't have their own movies, YouTube channels that had millions of
1: followers to the extent that we did appear. If we appeared, we had to die.
0: (laughs) And you never appeared young. Right. So like, that's my experience as a queer individual. Well, well, for sure. A young queer individual.
1: Right. So I didn't, you know, the first book I read that had, you know, a gay romance, was Patricia L. Warren's The Front Runner, and I remember reading that in high school and going, ah, hmm, okay, there it is, and now I can see it happen. Um,
0: You were in high school before you had that mirror, if we go to Dr. Bishop's
1: language. Right, right. And now, and it's, you know, so that would, and I also think, but then you think, you know, roll it back a little bit further, too, and what, what would it have meant for, now, for me, if my parents had read books, you know, by the time I came out, my parents had, just didn't know anybody who was gay. Um, You know, what, how would that have been different if, when they were in, you know, middle school, some of their favorite books had had, you know, they they had read, uh, you know, the Simon and the Homo Homo Sapien, Homo sapien agenda agenda yeah. or you know, what if it's us? Mm. You know, it's um, interesting to bring up what
0: it what it can mean too for for our parents to think about you publishing these books and what it can mean for adults as well as children to be reading these right. books for teachers for parents for for other individuals that can see children that way and to
1: to help them know that they're okay and they're seen. Right, well, but absolutely that, and also um, I think that not only am I thinking of that individual who holds to that, and that's not necessarily the individual like me who needed to know I wasn't alone in the universe. But also the brother of that person, um, who needs to understand, or you know, and needs to learn to uh, to empathize. Um, you know, it, these books are not, you know, for each one of them is not for a, a rigidly segregated audience. Like I don't believe in book segregation. Mm. Um, you know, they're for everyone. Um, you know to bring back uh, Jewish books again. Um, you know, I have heard people say, oh, well, really, are there? Is there still, are there enough, are there enough Jews, you know, to, to read, to, to buy this book, to, to, make, a to success, make, make a success to make a success. And my answer has always been, well, A, yes, but B, just because this book features a Jewish a, a pr- protagonist who is Jewish, oh, you know, expressly, and um, their adv- the adventure of this book has something to do with uh, a Jewish tradition or, or Jewish lore or, um, that, why does that mean? That should not mean, it does not mean that that's not interesting to somebody who is not Jewish. Right. (laughs) Like when I read, when I read Like Water for Chocolate, you know, um, I'm not a Mexican woman, but uh, that didn't stop me from loving that book, Yeah, you know? And it's, it's actually a bizarre assumption, isn't it? It is, absolutely. That it has to be, that it can only be this. And yet we
0: we have librarians that talk about that wrestle with the the why needing diverse books if my population only looks like this why do I need anything else now of course we others of us know that because this is what the world looks like and we want to build empathy and love everyone and and, and understand that our one experience is not the only experience but
1: but it's also it's just it's just a a basically. Um, inaccurate uh, understanding of, of what being a reader is and what readers do and what the act of reading is. Um, it, it, we ask readers literally all the time to make em- emotional and intellectual leaps. There, <laughs> it's almost impossible to be only reading books that reflect Only your specific. (laughs) I mean, but it's literally. You're right. You're laughing. It's literally laughable. It is, because then it gets rid of
0: entire genres of things, because it
1: just just isn't true. Even as much as you might want to make a library, I know that you don't, but if you wanted to make your elementary school library, just take this leap Mm -hmm. with me. Think about what, about making your library reflect only the population of your elementary school. What would that mean? What would those, what would those books be? Uh, and I'm, this is not a rhetorical question. And would it reflect, you know, next year? Could you predict it that next year? the next, the incoming class would not have a, folks who had a different experience or background or, you know, culture or race or sexuality. You can't. It's, human beings aren't first, are A, complex and B, they're not static. Populations are not static. I'm just saying that it, it's already impossible. Yeah. So why, the, the, the whole construct of you know, we need diverse books being a new thing. Right. Is like you're gonna have to edit me f- crazy. Like <laughs> it, it's just like it's insane. Can, um, can I break in? Yeah.
2: Is that okay? Yeah. You're talking about my thing now.
1: Thing. Tell what? me your thing.
2: No, no. Ladies do, and gentlemen, do, Susan Cusell. <laughs> books. Hi, I'm Susan Cusell. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I do a lot of things. I am a um, synagogue librarian. I am a uh, children's book buyer for an independent bookstore. I have been on several award committees, including the uh, Caldecott and the Sydney Taylor Book Awards. And I am an author with a uh, Jewish picture book coming out next year. Called? Oh. Yay! Um, it's called The Passover Guest. It's coming out with Holiday House books and the Neil Neil Porter imprint. Beautiful.
1: And she's an overall mensch.
2: Oh, well, Arthur is an overall mensch. And thank you so much for letting me crash your podcast here. It's really delightful. It's fun. Well, the, yeah. o- the other thing that's crazy to me is that... Jewish means a lot of things. It means so, so yes. many things, and yes. then to say that one Jewish character encompasses the whole thing is
1: impossible.
2: I mean, you and I are—you know—we are, you know, we we come are from, yes,
1: different you, Jewish traditions. We have
2: different Jewish traditions, and you know, you get. Jews in a room. You'd have five d- Jew- different Jewish traditions. At least
1: five and ten, at least ten. ten opinions. Maybe twenty. Maybe twenty. <laughs> this is fun math. I like this. Yeah, this well, is Jewish math. This
2: is this is, <laughs> this is the thing. But, but so to say that Jews are one, I mean, I have difficulty myself as a practicing reform Jew mm-hmm. of ever finding a book about a practicing reform Jew.
1: Well, this is interesting if we can take this side detour yeah, too because I think also then it that is also a, a bizarre problem of when you when I'll just say publishers in general try to comprehend the so-called Jewish market. Like what is that? Like we are not a monolithic mm. people. We have many I'm a reconstructionist. Susan is a reform. There's a lot of crossover. You know, we speak the same, we are both, we speak the same Jewish language, but you know, there are differences in our practice. Um, Does, I I have a book um, coming out this fall from Candlewick called Nate Gadol, The Hanukkah Magic of Nate Gadol. Um, I'm
2: really excited about it.
1: Thank you. Um, And it is written from My perspective, as a as a Jewish author, I cannot capture everyone's. I I don't. I don't even know how I would. I can't begin to imagine that, Um, and so I'm not. And I'm putting it out there, and I desperately hope people will like it. Um, But it 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 won't be. It's it won't be every every Jew. There's no such
2: thing. There's no such thing. And then if you bring Orthodox Jews into the equation or conservative or, I mean, there's, right. there's so much to talk about. And so it, to even say Jewish books, what is a Jewish book?
1: Right. Right. Nearly, it, it's just, you, you have to kind of back up and, and get the bigger perspective. Because I also think this can be, you can apply this anxiety um, marketing anxiety, Mm, if you will, to any book by any author. Will this appeal to, you know, uh, the African-American, African-Americans? Well, you know, there is not one African-American story or, you know, one African-American perspective you know, there's many different, and that's why you need many, many different African-American authors and many, many Jewish authors and, you know, many, many Muslim authors. It, it has to be a proliferation. Um, I'm, I'm, you have Apple, uh, mm-hmm. Skin to the Core by Eric Gansworth. There is not one Native American. There's literally 500 different, you know, Native American nations and cultures. And they're as different as, you know, any two nations and cultures.
0: As are um, the individuals within a single nation.
1: That is correct. Um, so the I think the only possible beginning of... Uh, making a, a more fertile ground in, of literature is to, to look for talented people you know, who have a, with a variety of stories to tell, a variety of different talented people. I had a book, my book Ginger and Chrysanthemum, was written uh, and illustrated. Both the author and the illustrator were Chinese Americans. They did not have the same perspective on everything. You know, I had to serve as the intermediary um, many times between somebody saying, "Hey, wait a minute, we don't." That's not how I. That's not how I think of as Chinese um, American Mm -hmm. cooking. And you know, I would have to ask that question and go back say, "Well, in in the author's family, they also brought in Thai, you know, Thai spices and blah blah blah, you know." And what's the, you know, let's come up with a solution., you know, our solution was to make it overt that the restaurant they were working at was called "Grandma's New Asian Fusion." Hmm. You know? OK, of course, like we're all nodding. Yes, we, we've seen restaurants like that, of course. Why did we assume that any, that a restaurant in a book written by a Chinese-American had to be? this particular sort of Chinese-American... Some sort of form, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, anyway, I could, go, I could go on and on.
0: We, we should talk about your launch titles, but first I want to ask okay. you about the lot. name.
1: Okay, I Levine Querido.
0: Levine Querido. Where does the name come from? Ah. Was it hard to pick a name, by the way? Because you get to name your thing. This is a thing yes. you have to do. Yes,
1: yes, yes.
0: Before you were just, your name plus the word books well, Which feels, like, easier to manage than come up with a name. <laughs> I have to tell you that
1: 24 years ago, um, I did not intend to name my imprint Arthur A. Levine books. I had a whole list of... Oh, okay. <laughs> I wanted to call it Shelter Island Press, actually. Shelter Island Press. Shelter Island Press with the logo being Shelter Island. Um, any, In any case, but... Uh, Gene Fiewell, uh, the, you know, said, no, look, we're hiring you mm. because we want to increase the c- amount of publishing we're doing that is of the sort that you do, and the most effective way to do it's that is name. to have it be your name. So it was my name. I can understand. And that. in that case, when people ask me the question, how did you come up with the name, I would say, well, my mother came up with it. Oh. <laughs> what
0: does the A stand for?
1: Aaron. Aaron. Which and which my, Aaron my Aaron name? Hebrew name is Aharon. So, which
2: is Aaron in in Hebrew? Aaron in
1: Hebrew, right?
0: Um, Mom did a great job naming your imprint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now, and now we still have uh, Arthur A. Levine is one of the lists. That's our our list that is devoted to books um, originally written in English from a wide and rich variety of cultures and. Races, sexualities, religions, abilities. Uh, Querido um, has a number, is a number of things. Um, He, too, was a man, Emmanuel Querido. Okay. um, And he was a Portuguese, a a Dutch Jew of Portuguese descent um, who lived at the time of Knopf and you know, Strauss, Farrar Strauss and many other great publishers who were busy founding um, these very special literary imprints and he started as a bookseller and then in 1915 he formed a book publishing company in Amsterdam and it became like, I mean it would be Silly, you, to call it the Knopf of uh, Europe, but that's what it was, mm. um, slash is, but I'm giving away the ending. <laughs> anyway, he was, um, he was actually a very secular Jew, um, so he was uh, like quite assimilated um, and comfortable that way, uh, but in the 1930s, as you know, most people know, things really began to change.
2: It wasn't going so well for the Jews.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, secular or not. Mm. And um, eventually, German Jews were prevented from publishing in German. Um, and dissidents, as well, prevented from publishing in Germany. So what Mr. Querido did is he founded a company um, with Fritz Langerhoff, called Querido Verlag. Verlag means publisher in German. Okay. And he pub- he founded that company in the Netherlands. And from the Netherlands, they published all those Dutch dissidents and Jews. Um, and this. Outpouring of books and writings came, started coming from the Netherlands, reaching um, Germans and people everywhere in Switzerland and in Austria Mm. who spoke German. Because remember, there's no internet, you know, right? This books were a big way of spreading information. Um, So it's this really powerful. And it was effective, it
0: sounds like it was quite effective.
1: Well, we know how effective it was because. The you know literally the day or um, virtually the day after the Nazis invaded uh, the Netherlands they marched to the Kierito office and burnt it to the ground. Wow! Um, and he fled for a little while, but they caught up with him and he died in Sobibor in a, a concentration camp. Concentration um, camp. So. Later, after the war, his colleagues um, decided that they would revive the publishing house. and So they continued it in his name. In his name, okay. And it's now, again, a beautiful uh, publishing house in, in Europe. But again, I keep bringing in Jewish traditions, uh, but there's a Jewish tradition that somebody is somebody's never completely gone until the last person um, on earth with, yeah. knows their name. And I want his name to always be known. And I, you know, so Carido is part of my company name. And I will tell this story all the time because I also want my company to be brave and to um, publish books that are important and tell the world important things. Um, and I also love what the word querido means in Spanish and Portuguese, mm-hmm. which is beloved. Oh. <laughs> so our motto is Levine Querido, beloved books beautifully made. Yeah.
2: That's and that's beautiful. Be-
1: That's because of querido. So that's who querido is. Thank you for and sharing that. And that list will become our list where we search for uh, amazing, fabulous talent from around the world and translated it into English. It's so exciting to have a whole list to do that. Yeah, um, And uh, I, I, I couldn't be more thrilled. So I mean, my list has always been international and some of it will meld. Like I have a, a book on the next list uh, called um, Rabbi Asnat and Her Dove.
2: Oh, tell me about it.
1: It is the story <laughs> of the first female rabbi. Um who Asnat Barzanian who lived in what is now Iraqi Kurdistan in the sixteen hundreds. Um, and it's about her life and the stories about her. Mm. Um, and it's illustrated by an Israeli artist named Vali Mincy. Okay. Um and it's just yeah it's so uh it's the author is Sigal Samuel, um who's just terrific! Amazing, yeah. Um, I'm so excited to see you beam. Okay. Is oh. it's like I can't. Yes, I'm having oh, a hard time just
0: holding my, yeah. containing my feelings.
1: Yes, well, because <sighs> that's great. This is just going to be. I just am so thrilled to be able to make this book. Um, that's great. And and this is it's a book, again. It's just uh, there's no, the the beauty of of being a, an independent publisher, is that I don't. I am not. Beholden to a, a committee of people mm. um, for whom I have to justify this, um, you know, any this or any decision. Yeah. Um, I know this is a book I would love. I want to read this book. Um, and uh, again, so we were talking about: is this book only to be read by a certain kind of Jew? Oh no! No, it's <laughs> it's a book that. Anyone interested in women breaking boundaries? You know, um, anyone interested in people who love learning? Um, You know, anyone interested in a community that they would never have heard of? Um, Like, how many people know about the Jews of um, what is now Iraq? You know, Susan. But I,
2: I don't count. But I am so. <laughs> you count? No, I'm so excited. To there's have, one. There's one. One, okay, one does. One, one person does. One person. But um, I am so excited to have a book like that come into the world. I mean, you know, Arthur and I. We've talked a bunch about you know having. There's Holocaust books and there's immigration books and there's holiday books, but there's not. It's you know we right. keep fitting into those those tropes, but it's so exciting right. to have something that breaks those tropes.
1: It is it's it is fascinating for how long I, I wonder where this started this, this I think it's I think it's a matter of comfort that that especially the larger the corporation the more the more the process relies on comfort hmm. um, and by that I mean you know white dominated um, publishers if they were going to publish uh, a book by an African American, they were most comfortable if it was about slavery or civil rights or the struggle um, to be black. Um, And those books are important, super important. But the African American experience is so much richer and wider than that. why, why is, that, is, that comf, is that area, that comfort area, so powerful? And I think what Susan is talking about, Jews, drove me up the wall. Like, the, uh, the, the percentage, nobody has done this. I would like the CBC, the CCBC to do this. <laughs> like, how the percentage of Jewish books that are neither set during the Holocaust or in Chelm.
2: Or you know, sixteenth century the Inquisition, Poland. or oh, the
1: Inquisition. But at least the Inquisition would be refreshing.
2: It would, it, and the, sorry, um, I don't I, You know, I always say that. I say, you know, it's always the Holocaust or you We'd know, like, Street. And when we're the lucky, world likes dead Jews. When we're really lucky, we get the Inquisition. Yeah, um, that's
1: when we're lucky. Yeah. But it's it's the same. It's the same. It's the breaking breaking out of tropes, trying to find the 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 broader stories. So I'm excited
2: um, for this book that is not in one of those categories. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the books that I need Super. to give kids in my library and right. to buy for my bookstore, and those are the kind of books I'm looking, constantly looking for.
0: Yeah, yep. we all should be. Yeah. right. Tell me, tell me about, yeah, tell yeah. me about these launch titles. Tell me about a couple of them. We wow. mentioned about Eric and his Eric Answorth's and his, memoir.
1: His uh, yes, his memoir in verse. Mm. You know, to stand along um, Jacqueline Woodson and uh, other great um, beautiful novels bios verse. in verse. We just yes. had Nikki Grimes do the beautiful uh, "Ordinary Hazards." Yeah, um, you know, a yeah. We have a which is a debut. We have a lot of debuts because yeah. we're trying to introduce. Readers to many new wonderful writers, and Ilatsue is uh, by Darcy Little Badger, who is uh, an an, an enrolled Lipan Apache um, author, and she's written a genre exploding book that I I start off describing as a murder mystery, because, uh, but it's it's. More, even more, even more interesting than that, because I love a murder mystery. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, in, this is set in, an, in a, a world much like our own, um, contemporary world, much like our own, except that um, people have magical, tend to ex- exhibit magical powers that are um, associated with their cultures um, and their backgrounds. Um, and that's just a kind of thing that is assumed, it's not explained or, um, uh, and and Elatsoe uh, um, has the power to speak to ghosts. Okay. Um, including her sixth great grandmother and including her cousin who comes to her um, and says, I was just murdered and this is who my killer is.
0: Oh wow! I'm giving and, you the answer. We have to figure out the why, the how. The
1: well, first of all, she has to get people to believe her, right? <laughs> um, which is not not easy for uh, you know a native girl in in a white centric world, um, and there's plenty plenty of difficulty. But it's also really funny um, and you know, fantastical and uh, you know. The cover's so beautiful from a glance. When we were in the
0: exhibit hall, I thought that she was standing among like snow because the color right. looks striking that way or water because it's these sort of white spikes. And as you look closer, you right. see that they're- They're ghosts. They're, they're
1: ghost dogs. Oh! See, they're dogs, but you're going even further. She, her dog is a ghost. She has a ghost dog. She has a ghost dog. I can't wait to read this. <laughs> my yes. word. Oh, my God. Are you feeling amazing. that? I'm feeling that, I'm feeling that. Feeling that. I know. <laughs> and the cover really is incredible. Yes. And it's also, when you see it also, the um, it is an, an uncoated stock. Um, it, so it has that kind of uh, like beautiful rough, rough feel texture yeah. with uh, a foil um, type. And it's really beautifully oh. done. And it has these uh, gorgeous... Interior illustrations by Rovina Kai okay. um, that not only make the book look like a gorgeous classic piece of bookmaking, but eventually, as you read along, you realize that these beautiful chapter illu- opening illustrations are telling their own story, and that uh, the story connects not just to the mystery illustration. Oh, There's intention, that. right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I.
1: It is great. I
0: mean, before we go further, I, I, I know that you like a beautifully designed book. The moment we, oh, yeah. we met you in the hall, too, you were talking about spot gloss and embossment. But mm. you, I should say for, for those that have the opportunity to encounter one of your advanced reader copies, that you've also given a lot of thought to how your launch titles are being presented before yeah. the final copies are out. I know All that right. some people listening might not have the opportunity to encounter these advanced readers, but often when we get them, they're just sort of cheaply printed to be widely distributed and that's okay right. but right. the the four of these novels have have thought and have Design. a continuity between the four yeah. of them and right and they look like you're putting forth something that matters not well, that right. say the others don't
1: but yes i thank you for saying that um and i that is what i'm we're we're, we're trying to do and that that is the vision and I think that especially when you're launching, you're you're not only saying here is this book, but we're we're saying here's what this company is about. Um, I, I hope that that readers get that what we're saying is. We we want to present these books to you as if they are treasures. Th- these are treasures to us, and we we want you to 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 know that you know we want you to. This isn't just like, when we give you this galley, we're not saying, here, you know, we spent 50 cents to, to bind this manuscript. We're saying, we did the best we could to tell you how special this is. And I, I hope you get that.
2: Oh, I definitely get that. It's, yeah. it's a presentation, it's really beautiful. I mean, we were both noticing I'll, I'll have that, to snap a shot of them yeah. because of
1: the way that it's not,
2: Cunique. because of the
0: way that the, the cover is framed, because of the way that the four and, Um, launch titles go together the the sort of um, teaser, almost like a framed portrait teaser of the cover there's there's a lot of detail there a
2: lot lot of care went into it and it looks like that I feel like this is something I want to cherish and not just
1: right, and hopefully read
2: (laughs) well well that's that's always a plus isn't it
1: (laughs) read and keep Um, you know I, I hope so. Like the, uh, our first, very first book is "Everything Sad Is Untrue" by Daniel Nayeri. Yeah. Um, and you know, if I could, I would literally walk across the country, saying, uh, you, "You can't see me doing this," but like holding the book and like saying, "Here, here!" Putting it literally into my hands. You've got, you've got to read this. This is so special I can't tell you
0: like this is not my experience with publishers that this is the <laughs> passion the you speak as if it's your own book Arthur and what? that I mean it is they are but l- do you know what I mean literally you
2: you, you mean it as if you wrote the book I
0: mean as if you wrote the book as oh. if you have authored the book you care I, there's there's just this this unflinching love toward the thing and importance value toward the thing that you're Putting forward and it it, it's coming I don't know that we always get to experience that in the library in the in in the classroom as a reader to know that this much thought not just the person whose name is on the cover but there's there are people behind this that are behind that sure working to get it to you
2: and I think Arthur is so interesting too by also being an author
1: yeah 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 for sure I I have um I have had many valuable experiences as an as an author that are you know helping helping me, um, helping have always helped inform um, what are you know how I treat authors and hopefully and and how I treat books. But uh, again, I feel what I'm really l- so lucky to be able to do is <laughs> kind of come out as a person who is leading with. Uh, a mission and a, and a sense of passion, like in a, People have that in corporations, but they <laughs> they they must translate it because they're constantly. Um, needing to. You, you know, you hear when you hear, you hear a lot of uh, what I I call uh, you know, publishing speak. Um, every yeah. industry has its own little buzzwords. Sure. And, um, jargon jargon thank you i was actually looking for the word jargon and it didn't come to me but i think people use jargon in order to in order to be taken seriously and because they're they're really trying to communicate effectively to people who are not um motivated by by passion necessarily or and in, in fact i think in some cases, there's suspicion of that. Like an editor who is really passionate about their book, sometimes can can have a few. Uh, there's a little bit of a sense of, oh, you know, they they're so naive. You know, Ooh, that's so sad. They're not. Aww. They're they don't really know what uh, what will sell. What will sell, and so many editors learn to lean on the buzzwordy ways of talking about their books that are are oriented towards finance the finance department mm-hmm. and the sales department not readers so i don't ha- i mean, first of all i'm blessed to be distributed by chronicle who Actually, really do care about yes. <laughs> these books. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's—I uh, am so grateful to them. But also, just as an independent, I—I am literally leading with my—with my heart. Um, yeah. And I, each of these I, books are books that I think are delightful or important or gorgeous or you know some quality that you would appreciate as a reader (laughs) you know that's I'm always coming I'm publishing as a as a reader Um, and I get again not not to go all the way back to that other conversation about um, equitable uh, you know diversification I don't... I am not only passionate about me. Like, that's not publishing. That's masturbation. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> True. And I, I am passionate about other people's stories. You know? I, that's what draws me as a reader. I'm really, really passionate interested in, in reading these books. It's not an intellectual exercise. Um, and I do... I mean, call it chutzpah, but it's my experience that when I, for for my whole career, for the thirty-six years or however long it is, um, it's thirty-six years, if I, or however, long. Or yeah. however it, long it is actually A- that A- number. Approximately, it's, yeah, it's approximately exactly that number. But <laughs> if if I genuinely, honestly, love something and think that it's really a great book, then other, some other people will want, will want to read it.
0: I, um, I want to talk to you for the rest of the day, <laughs> but <laughs> okay. also I want to honor your time and I want to thank you. I want to thank you too, Susan, for being thanks, Susan. part you of this know, moment. Well, thing. Thanks, thanks for letting um, me. Should, should I... I, I? No, I was just going to say, I look forward to, to this road ahead for you. Thank and you. I hope that others get to witness this, Excitement that you've been so kind enough to share with us toward toward your road ahead. I feel like I feel really privileged to be able to
2: well,
0: have shared some of that, and I'm I
1: feel privileged to
0: be forward to be reading.
2: talked to talked yeah. with. I, I really you. wish I don't know if you feel this way, Matthew, um, that everyone could see Arthur's face when he's talking yeah. about his books. That it, it really is beaming. beaming. We said it earlier, it, but but, but really truly, truly, yeah, it's lovely. It,
1: just it's it's I, it's just me thinking about each of them. Yeah. I didn't even talk about the wanderer.
2: Mm. Ooh, tell us about tell, my, tell us about the wanderer
1: yeah. and then I want to I want to I mean, bring I, you back to our readers. Okay. Uh, that this is a book that uh <laughs> is so um hard to classify. It you know, it reminded me of Shaun Tan. Mm. Um, wow. And because each spread is such a artistic wonder and the whole experience is so delightful and it's a wordless longer 96 page book about a paper little paper boats fantastical journey Um, and actually Sean gave us a quote for the back of it which is you know Oh
0: my yeah, you bring up Sean name, no. and I kind of get
2: yeah <laughs> all it, the feels on another that. Another book we can thank Arthur for.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, at least at I mean, least in the U.S. Yeah, yeah that that the arrival. I feel like is an example of where I'm coming from too. Like that's that's a book that doesn't have an obvious hook. Mm. Um, it and it it breaks a lot of rules. It's an old a, adult protagonist. It's wordless. It's sepia-toned,
2: and it was a bestseller. Um,
1: and then it was a—it's a, not only a bestseller, but a continuous bestseller. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't so. have
0: an obvious hook, but it has an emotional hook that is one that, w- when I hand to a child and they read it, yeah. they tell their friends about it. It's not a—it right. uh, doesn't have the immediate appeal. Looking at the cover, like you're judging the cover, like. Oh, there—that seems like the one to grab. It's just one of those. Does doesn't the, it doesn't. There's a <laughs> resonance to it. <laughs> no, but I know I what mean, you're it's saying. sort of a different. I know what you're it's saying. A, it's a different kind of book, and and I feel like. Yeah.
1: And it turns out right too. I feel like the kids that love this
0: book are the ones that are going to be making books. That's how I feel about *The Arrival*. Oh, I like that. well, That's nice. You are going to be making the books that I want to talk about right. in the future. That's how I feel about it.
1: That's interesting. I. I also feel that that's a book that reaches to that reaches out to that one kid, who feels like a stranger that. in a strange land, and who feels like pe- the things that people are saying don't make any sense, and everything is strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's this is a book that captures that experience. The Wanderer, um,
0: Peter van. Well, the Wanderer, Wanderer. yes, is, the, is just
1: a is 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 different. That is. The ups and downs of life as experienced by a a paper boat um, and, you know, a new artist who can channel Escher. (laughs) It's crazy.
0: Excellent. Well, um, I'm just going to jump straight to it. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I feel... I feel that they've been front and center our entire conversation, perhaps because I just left them, <laughs> but I've really felt them here with us, and so, um, so I'd ask you if there's a message from you that I can bring them.
1: My message is twofold, is that they should feel empowered to ask for books that... Um, reflect who they are Um, and simultaneously I want them to know that they can find themselves in more books than they think.
0: Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at MatthewCwinner.com/slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Wanna help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed.